All right, we're back with the all-new show, Blue Damage. Look, I have uh, revived myself from the COVID-19. I am COVID-free. I knew you would do it. I knew you would do it, Jason. If anybody could beat it, it was you. Yeah, you yeah, were resurrected. Week, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Yeah, but in a week, everybody online is saying that Jason Lee has the cure. And I have to tell you, I did do some stuff outside of traditional medicine that I'm not going to talk about because, you know, rest in peace to Dr. Sebi. I don't want the people coming over here to my house. <laughs> but look, I haven't skipped a beat. You know, we've been um, looking up, looking online and seeing that Tamika Foster Raymond wrote a book about her ex-husband, Usher. And mm. I've known Tamika for a long time. And I don't know if either of you have met her, but she's such a nice, sweet person. I've never wanted to ask her all the details about her ex-man. But now that she has this book, um, I couldn't wait to call her and tell her I wanted to talk to her. Ooh, so, uh... Usher is is one of my uh, celebrity crushes. Um, and he's I've heard nothing but good things about how charming and amazing he is. I cannot imagine what it's like to marry someone like that, though, because he... He's a big deal. So I'm curious to see what she has to say about being in his limelight or in his shadow, I guess. Now, I have a question. Is the song Moving Mountains about her? Oh. Because that's you know, a powerful well, song. Well, that's the thing about this book. It does talk about the song Here I Stand, and that's oh. the name of the book. So she named the book after that song and some other meaning that I'm going to get into. But see, the thing about oh. Tamika that I think a lot of us are always interested in knowing about is... Who is she behind? Who is she beyond Usher? We know mm -hmm. that she's Usher's ex-wife, but we know that she's an entrepreneur. We know she's a mom. We know she lost her son. We know that there's more to Tamika than just Usher. Well, it wasn't just those things that I had to ask her about. You all know that Quantasia, that woman said that Usher gave her herpes. Um, I had to ask her Allegedly. about that. Allegedly. That was so alleged. Well, but I had to ask her about that too because every time we post Tamika, people are in the comments asking if she got it. Oh, that'd be crazy. Y'all, y'all need to stop shaming people. A lot of people have STDs. Somebody watching this probably has it. So let's stop acting like it's a rare thing. Even if he did have an STD, it's nothing to be shamed about, guys. It's, it's normal. Well, well, nonetheless, nonetheless, the best part about this interview coming up with Tamika Foster Raymond is that we see more of who she is as a human being, a person, a mother, a philanthropist, somebody who is keeping her her deceased child's name alive and somebody who was married to a famous superstar and still stood. And so here we go, Tamika Foster Raymond. All right, and welcome Tamika Raymond uh, Foster to the show. Now, can I call you Tamika Raymond Foster or do I call you Tamika Foster or do I just call you Tamika? It's Tamika Foster Raymond. <laughs> See, I just call you Tamika. And what I love about you is our relationship has never been about anything other than just Tamika. And what I what I find interesting is that whether I see you here or us, you know, getting into a party or our favorite restaurant, I always feel like our connection has always just been about two human beings and less about what I do for work and who you've been married to. Right. That's right. That's right. We're cool. So now, do you, are you able now to like to make a connection between who are like the people you can trust and who are people around you because of the entertainment and the business or what you do or who you've been affiliated with? You know, it's a really fine line. It's been a fine line. The people, some of the people that I thought were friends, that I thought were truly my sisters or people that I really have helped um, to get in their positions or whatever, I've been really surprised. I guess this has really been transactional, more than I thought. Shit. Well, you're, you're from Oakland, California, which I find odd because I'm from Stockton. And people that are typically from Northern California, we don't get mystified by the bullshit. So 
How are you from like East Oakland or are you from Piedmont? Because there is a difference. Ah, yeah, don't try me. I am from East Oakland, 90th and Holly. Definitely. Okay, 90th so you, and Bancroft, for people who don't know. 90th and Bancroft. So that's the hood. You're from the hood. Yes. Indeed. Okay, so then why are you always so pulled together and poised? Don't you ever just want to just let that East Oakland out? It comes out. Well, see, here's the thing though. Although, you know, one side, so I have two sides of my family. One side of my family is from East Oakland. They're more of your tell it like it is. They pull the East Oakland out real easy. <laughs> and then the other side is super, they're kind of poised and persnickety and all that. So I think I'm really an equal blend of both. Um, and that's really what happened. Because I, I, I had to realize what happened to me. I am a little bit different. How so? I love ratchet music. I love a lot of ratchet stuff. I really do. But I don't I don't love super duper ratchet. I don't know. It's a fine line. I, I don't know. I, I think I like to keep things really classic. I don't know. I'm a little different, I think. When I look at everything going on around me, I'm like I'm in a twilight zone <laughs> a little mm -hmm. bit. So um okay, so you're here in LA. Um you love LA? Is this home now? Yeah, LA is home now. I love waking up in LA. I love the weather. Like you look outside, it's just, the weather is flawless. I love, you know, things about it. I love more the environment than the people. Okay, so um, everybody knows that you are in the business and that you're a stylist. Now, of course, this is your first book, the new book, Here I Stand. Second you're book. an author now. It's your second book? Yeah. What was the first book? White bras. I have a funny style guy called White Bras and 101 Style Faux Pas. It's hilarious. Yeah. But this is your first book where you're like digging into the life of Tamika, right? This is yes. the first of those kind of books. Okay. Yes. Why, why after all this time did you decide that, okay, I'm now ready to pull back the veil a little bit more on my personal life, my professional life, having worked with different celebrities in, in the business? Why, why now? You know, I started writing it in 2009 um, as I was starting to go into my divorce and all that. I started writing it sort of like a diary, just kind of writing down how I felt and, you know, who I was mad at and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> then I felt like I was too emotional and I was biased, of course, all in my favor. I was like mad at the world and mad at all the blogs, mad at the, the media. I was, I was too angry to have put a book out then. So then I stopped writing and then, you know, life went on. I went, started a custody battle. I started fighting over all kinds of stuff and I went back to work and living my life. And then my son passed and I started writing again, like during that time. And so during COVID, the pandemic, I was like, you should just finish that book, do that thing, finish it. Cause I already was five chapters in like four and a half, five chapters in. I started to shape it, you know what I mean? And then I just started thinking about my childhood. That's when I wrote all that stuff was all during the pandemic about my childhood, about my upbringing, my parents started talking to my family about where I came from and like, okay, now I get it. Now things started to come together. Yep. Okay. So you, you covered a lot of things in the book, which I want to talk about because I recently saw your interview with Tamara Hall, which I also want to talk about because as an interviewer, it's always interesting watching all of, you know, people's styles. And so it was really interesting. And to know you personally, you seemed a little guarded in the interview. Are you, 
it was that you just wanting to get more like needing to get more comfortable with doing interviews or was it that particular interview at least in my opinion that you looked a little guarded a little not Tamika you know I'm an energy person and I don't mean to be cliche how everybody's like putting their stones in the sun and all that I'm not doing that but I'm an energy person and I feel your vibe right so I felt her vibe was cold but but you know, I love her. I love Tamron. She's beautiful. Um, I'm grateful that she's a black woman in the position she's in to even be interviewing me. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so I, I find good in all of it. Um, I did feel that it was a little, it was a little shaky. Mm -hmm. What part in particular? Because we could just, I guess, start there and talking about the book, uh, the new book. Here I stand. So you were doing an interview with her. And you were talking about a lot of different things. One of the topics that I, at least that I was very much like, here we go, was when she started to talk about the death of your child. Um, I've lost a brother, very, very, very traumatic situation. Um, and I didn't see the empathy. Uh, I didn't see the, I saw she was laying up the conversation. I didn't see that she was really getting into the heart of, um, uh, of the emotion that goes behind something like that. Was that the part for you? Um, you know, I don't think it was about my son that was cold. I just, her energy, she just didn't feel warm and fuzzy. She wasn't like, I didn't feel the empathy. Um, there was a couple times where she just was like, um, oh, I could never have said that. Like when I said that I felt like my son had kind of fulfilled his contract and that his time on earth was kind of predestined. You know, I think all of our time is predestined and I'm not saying it matter of factly, like, I don't care. Are you kidding me? It's been a disaster for me, but um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really feel her empathy a hundred percent. No. So your but son, Kyle, the, you know, for the opportunity and everything. So your son, Kyle, who we're talking about, um, he passed away um, back in 2012, which was is almost 10 years now uh, from a boating accident. Um, and you talked in the interview with Tamron about getting the phone call um, and, and knowing immediately that something was wrong and getting there and really wanting to hold on to uh, your son and keeping the energy around him very positive and focused on coming through it. And we know ultimately he didn't. What was it at that time that gave you the clarity to be able to be so present in the moment that was so traumatic? You know, I, obviously it was a lot of prayer. I had a lot of people around me, as I call them prayer warriors. I mean, people were calling from every walk of life, you know, praying with me on the phone when I, when I would get on the phone with people. Um, and I just had to pray and, and kind of look for answers you know, regarding it, I just, I, I still, I mean, I'm still mystified. I still don't have it all together. I'm still touch and go, you know what I mean? As it, as it pertains to losing him. Um, but I will say it had to be, all I can say is God. I know it sounds like just a typical answer, but all I can, all I can attribute it to is God. Cause what else would keep me together in, at a time like that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How long did you, I mean, we never completely let go of the fact that we lose a loved one. I know I haven't. When, when do you, when did you stop the mourning part? How long did the mourning process of, of, of the overwhelming emotion um, take place? Oh no, I mourn often. 
I mourn often. Like I mourn in the mornings. Like I, I will get in a bathtub and just cry, cry, cry really hard. Or for example, his best friend in school is now a major league baseball player. So when I see him, I'm so happy for him, but I'm looking like, wow, what, what would have Kyle been doing, you know, at 20 years old? He may have been a famous artist or a singer or an actor like he wanted to be. So I always think about what the possibilities are. You don't get over it, Jason. You learn to live around it. You live around it. <clears throat> That's how you kind of cope. I can sit here and talk to you as clear as day about it, and we'll be fine, and I won't shed a tear. I probably, I'm good when I'm speaking on his behalf and for him. But I can walk away and see a random child walk by and fall out. You know what I mean? It just really depends. It's very touch and go. So, because the reason why I asked the question is when um, you, when we lose a family member or somebody close to us and we know and we have time to prepare, that's one experience. But when it is so sudden, it is so mentally jarring. I try to explain to people that it, it does this psychological, it has a psychological effect on you that is really hard to recover from. Uh -huh. And sometimes we get focused on that moment that they died and not the life that we were able to share with them. And so I was wondering if there was a time where you were able to get past that part that I was stuck in for 10 years, you know, were you able to get past that? Are you still in that? I truly feel that people mourn differently when there's guilt involved. And I don't mean guilt for the, like whatever happened to the person, but sometimes if they weren't as present as they should have been, or if they weren't, yeah, I just think if they weren't as loving or as present or they weren't, you know how sometimes if you're in a, like say you're beefing with somebody and then God forbid something happens to them, you feel 10 times worse because you're like, oh, I should have said sorry or whatever. I don't have any regret regarding my son. And that's what I would love to have explained to Tamron. You know what I'm saying? I, I was such, I was very present, <clears throat> excuse me, with my son. I told him I loved him the last time I spoke to him. I showed him I loved him every single day of his life. We would send I love yous. We would send cute messages. I would buy him things at random. Just whatever, I always showed my love for him. And I was always involved in things he did. Like in his school play, I dressed him. I made his costume. He played Michael Jackson in The Wiz. I made the costume exactly like the one on the, on the movie. Like these are things I did. I showed my love. So if you were in any way estranged from a person or you know you were mean to that person, you, you hurt worse when they pass away because you're dealing with your own, you know, your own issues about it. What do you, what do you think uh, Tamron's perception of, of that situation or your relationship to the experience was? What did you think she was thinking? I can't imagine what she was thinking, but what I do think is that she came into this interview with an already set preconceived notion about who I was. And I don't think I ever had a chance <clears throat> to be fair because I, I know the warm and I don't know her, but I see the warm and fuzzy version of her. You know what I mean? Um, she's very likable and very charismatic. That's why I was so excited to do her show because I'm a cheerleader for the cute black girl, number one. If you cute, I really want to be on your show. She dresses well. Her hair is cute. She's cute. I was like, oh, yeah, we can have a ball. I'm thinking she's going to be the homie. Nah, she's, I don't know. It just was, the energy was a little off. It was a little, I don't want to interrogate you about your body. I'm like, what? Who said body? Hold on. <laughs> I was like, damn. 
So when you um when you think of when you talk about remorse, and I know that this was traumatic and you were away at the time, do mm-hmm. you have remorse for not being there when it happened? Like do yes. you have any feelings about that? Yes. Sorry to cut you off, but yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wish I had been with my child at that time, yes. And you know, the sad part, I think what I live with worse, though only if I had one regret, it was actually my weekend or my week to be with him, but I was going to Evelyn's wedding. And my friend was a wedding planner and, you know, I'm very cool with Evelyn. And at the time, that's why I left on 4th of July to go to her wedding. And you're talking about Evelyn Lozada. It was her wedding. Yeah. Evelyn and Chad's wedding. Mm -hmm. That's why I went to um, St. Martin Court. And so how long did you live with the guilt? I don't know if it's guilt. I don't want to call it guilt. That seems guilt is harsh. I wasn't guilty. I just feel like maybe that would have changed the outcome. But then on the same token, I say no, because then if it was his time to go, it would have happened with me. You know what I mean? I don't think it really mattered. Um, When it's your time, I don't think it matters where you are or in what scenario. You know what I'm saying? So we could have been driving down the street and had a collision or something. You know, if, if it really were one of our times to go, I really believe, I don't know. I believe that we have a certain amount of time and, um, that's just how I, I guess that's how that's my coping mechanism of how I, how I feel about it. And that is predestined time. I mean, it's they always say when we were growing up, it was your time is written. And I'm sorry if I use the wrong word guilt definitely meant remorse. But it's good that you made the distinction between the two, because, you know, uh, when my brother died, I did feel some guilt. You know, I felt like this was my karma. I felt like, you know, it was my going away party that he was at. And so for a long time, a lot of the turmoil that I was in was feeling the guilt. And so I'm glad that you made the distinction. So did you do, you did therapy as a result of going through that? I did very little therapy. Really, I did a lot of, I got quiet, like quiet, you know, quiet room therapy. Like I dealt with myself. I started to reflect on just my life and things I had done. And for a while I asked God, like, did I do something wrong to somebody? Like, I I know I've never murdered anyone. I know I've never um, been disloyal to a friend. And I know I've never been, you know, I know I'm not a snake kind of person. So I was like, what in the world could have caused something so bad, you know, to happen in my life? But then you can't say why me. It happens to so many people. People lose children. People lose uh, family, um, parents. You know, death is unfortunately is is a part of life. It's a part of life. You just don't know when you, nobody knows what day they're going to die. You don't know if you're going to be 98 and, you know, or, you, or if you're going to be two years old. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. You just don't. So how, how did, how did mothering change, if at all, after this experience? Did you become like a really overprotective mom? Like, I want my kids out of sight. Yes. I'm probably a helicopter mom. I am more intentional with my time with my children. I think I'm more intentional. So like when they're around me, when they're in my presence, you know, I, I feel that I'm very present. And I'm always saying, I love you. And I'm all super mushy and lovey-dovey. And they're like, stop, mom. You know, my teenage boys are looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I think I'm super, I'm more mushy than I was before. So the book, can we get into the book? Cause I read the book. Mm-hmm. And the book is great. And this is and this is from one published published author to another one. Well, you were published before me. The book is amazing. Um, here I stand. I saw in Tamron where you talked about 
the title and she really wanted to hang on to why you named it that. And I found it interesting that you named it that. Um, Here I stand. Why choose a song title from your one from one of your ex-husbands um, and not something else? Why that? Well, it has the, the the title has a double meaning for me. When I was, you know, in my courtship or you know, dating, and then I got married, there was an album entitled. It's an album name called "Here I Stand." With there's a song on there. The title track is called "Here I Stand." Um, yeah, it was an important time in my life. It was a great time in my life. Um, heck, I danced at my wedding to that song, <laughs> so it was pretty amazing. Um, the album was dedicated to me, as I said already, but also here I stand as a person that's just been through hell and back. Like I done been to the fucking ringer. You know what I mean? I have, listen, I lost a child. I lost my grandmother in a fire and my aunt. Um, I lost my mother. I lost my brother. I lost a sister in a car accident. Like I've had some stuff happen in my life. I've been super duper broke. And, and I'm talking about in recent years, recent, like since marriage. I've um, had many, many businesses. Some didn't work, some did. I've just been through a whole lot of stuff. And I went through um, a really tough time with public scrutiny, um, but I'm still standing. You know what I mean? I think there's just a lot of testament to just who I am. I'm standing, I'm strong. Um, do I have weak moments? Do I break down and cry? Do I ask God why about stuff? Yes, I talk about that in the book also. But um, yeah, here I stand. Like, I think it's just powerful. So let's. We know that you were you were married twice. Once uh, to Ryan Glover, who was the father, Kyle's father, right? Mm -hmm. And then you you later remarried to Usher Raymond, who we all know. You know the funny story that I never really told anybody because who do you tell these stories to? Right. Me and you yeah. were me and you me and you were at Puffy's house watching the Grammys. And please please make sitting, it be known there was a lot of people there. It wasn't a <laughs> no, there, there was a whole there was a house full of people. Yeah, it wasn't there. that kind of party. Okay. There's a house full of people there. Okay. And I was sitting here and you were kind of off in the back with the girls doing whatever and whoever you were with. And um and there were so many people everywhere. But then Usher walked in and sat right next to me, and I had just read him for filth on one of my shows, and I was like, Oh my god, this is gonna go. Oh left. my goodness, what? Don't be reading my baby daddy for filth. That's what you got to stop. No, no, but it just, it'd be things be happening on my show, you know. But anyway, he was such a gentleman. He was such a nice person. But it was really good to see you all be able to coexist in an environment where I didn't really see you guys interacting, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, throw her out, you know. I'd have been like, how, I was here first. You leave. <laughs> how are you able to coexist now um, before the book? Because I'm sure with the book being out, there's probably some energy around some of the stuff that you said, but what, what do you, how, how are you guys able to coexist and move forward? Because there was the, there was the marriage, there was the public attacks used to get for your age difference. There was the rumored uh, breakdown with his mom where she didn't like you or you didn't like her or something like that. And then there was the divorce. And then there was the Oprah interview where I thought he was, he was being a little messy um, and I thought, I thought Oprah was being messy. Let um, me tell you, I write about that in my book. Oh God. I talk about it in my book. I talk about it. Um, he and I are definitely cordial and we co-parent very well. Um, are we friends? I'd say no. Um, 
I'd like for us to be friends. I miss my friend. He was my best friend before he was anything else. Um, that's my homie. We cool. Like he's a stylish guy and he's very current. I'd like to bounce things off him. Like, yeah, well, I'm about to, what do you think about this? Should I put this out? Or, you know, or, Hey, read my book. It's amazing. What do you think? Because the book is not about him. And I don't want, you know, your viewers or anybody to be misled that I sat and wrote 18 chapters about a man. Ain't no man that good. I mean, shoot. I don't know. There's nobody I can write 18 chapters about. That's like a, write a whole sonnet about a man. No, I wrote, you know, he's in the book because he's part of my story. My story is very, I have a very vast story. I mean, I was a person that worked in fashion for many years. I, you know, how I started, I'm from Oakland. That alone is a book. <laughs> Being from Oakland is yeah. a book in itself. So um, I didn't want to bore people with all my Oakland stuff, but he's not even until the middle of the book. You know what I mean? Cause that's where he chronologically came into my life. So, but yeah, so in terms of our relationship, we're cool. Definitely. Like, Hey, how you doing? What's up with the boys? We talk about the kids, but I do miss my friend. I miss my homeboy. I do miss my friend. And so we're not friends, I would say anymore. Well, I think the reason why people are interested in that part of your relation, your, your life, and it isn't to, it isn't to just to take away from the rest of it and then say mm -hmm. that it's not equally important. You've been a very private person. Right. We've heard from him with uh, with Oprah. We've heard from him speak on it. He never said your name, but he ain't got to say your name. Um, I think Oprah said your name. So we all who knew who he was talking about. OK, so my, my thing I is I loved her so much. I was so sad about that. Yeah. Why? I grew up an avid Oprah fan. I wanted to be like her. She was a person that I really, I aspired to have my own talk show because I have so much, uh, I'm so opinionated about so many different topics. And I think I'm well-versed on a lot of different topics. And I just, I used to see her and just be like, that's my stepmama, Oprah. That was my girl, Oprah Winfrey, Oprah. My grandmother used to call her Oprah. I watch Oprah every day. So when I saw the interview, the thing that disappointed me most, as with all of her interviews, I think she interviews the most huge celebrity. The underdog never gets a voice. We never get to say what our version of events were. And I think there's a lot of viewers that would be interested in hearing the fucking truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just think so. Do you feel like Oprah was more focused on getting the interview with Usher Raymond and less on getting the truth about Usher's relationship with Tamika? I can't say. I still love her. I still love Lady O. I love her, but I was very disappointed um, that I never got the like flip side of it to like, hey, let's let's interview the underdogs. What happened to them? You know, and what's their version of events? So the book Here I Stand that has the double meaning doesn't have everything to do with Usher, but we are here at that chapter. So I got to ask you some questions. All right. So you were you you were his stylist. Then y'all were hanging out in your book. You talk about how you guys were talking. And then although you weren't like officially all in locked down with a ring on it, you were you were advanced enough to where you want to know where the hose was at. And you pulled up one day and the hose was in his lap. That's what you said. That's what I the did. book said. It is. It's there. It's there. It happened. It happened. Yes. Because people would watch you right now being calm and speaking about being a mother and so poised and put together and lady. Oh, when really you rolled up and was like, 
bitch, get up out of here. And you snatched a stripper out of Usher Raymond's. I didn't snap no dancer. <laughs> yeah, I put two on a ten. I definitely didn't snatch no dancer. Tamika, you're from East Oakland. You did not walk in and say, please leave. I, I, I have the potential to snatch some wigs. However, I did not on that day. Well, maybe I did, but I didn't touch a girl. I was mad at him. The anger was directed in the right direction. You got to read the book. I mean, you, I'm not saying you, but I mean, I, I want your viewers to actually order and read the book because I think they will be pleasantly surprised about how things really went and my position on things. And there's some funny stories in there, actually. That's one of the funny stories. And that was before I got married. So let I will say that for the record. That was prior to marriage. That's an old story. It was before you got married, but clearly it was at a time when you felt that you were in enough to be able to control. This is what you said. You said his mother, mama, the one that didn't like you uh, reportedly, I don't know. She threw a party for him for his birthday um, at Capitol Grill and you were invited. And you said you went there and there were some, um, there were five tables. There were 10 guests each. You talked about an environment where there were a lot of people there and you were able to flirt with him and get to know him. So clearly at that point, you were invited by him, not mama. So somebody liked you. He liked you. She liked you. She did like me at one point. She liked me. She, we used to eat dinner and hang out. We were cool, actually. Uh, we were we were cool. I think once she realized that you know he had you know serious feelings for me, I think something happened. It went down the tizzles. So the dinner was cute. You guys are sitting at the top. By the way, I love Capitol Grill. They have like some really good fish. You guys are at Capitol Grill, and then here you are vibing. He's over with Nanny and the grandma and the mom and everybody, the family. They're all chilling. Everybody's great. You're invited. You probably were in the nice dress. i got to find that one page in the book. See, now you're making people think I really set up talking about him. That's just one story. No, no, no. You know, everybody that follows me knows I'm messy. They know I'm here to do the mess, okay? I, there's a whole book, and the whole book is great. This don't even happen to like, later, like, halfway in the middle of the book. Wait. So, you know, I was getting to it. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm okay. kidding about her grandma and them. I'm kidding about her grandma. No, no, we're gonna go back to that because I think family is important. But I just want to get to this since we we're talking important. about marriage. Okay. So then at 2 a.m., you go to the house, you're calling the phone, he ain't answering. You like, uh-uh, nigga, I'm coming over. You pop up in your sequence outfit, whatever you were wearing. I had on sweats, no, I had sweats and lots of Vaseline on, actually. <laughs> no, it was different. I wasn't dressed <laughs> up. There wasn't no elegance going on. <laughs> I had a whole t-shirt and some goddamn new balances. Ready. The reason why I ready for war. But the reason why I say all that is because when you pulled up, even though you weren't the wife, you pulled up enough to get your man. Is it was it to get your man? Like, do you think that's why he fell in love with you? Because of how assertive and you know, because every girl who ain't the girl don't do that. I think entertainers have so many yes people around them. You know, all your, all your people around you pretty much are like, yes, oh, boy, that's hot. That's, oh, that's amazing. You tight. Ooh, you fresh. Ooh, them clean. I think you got so many of those people that it's rare to have the person that's going to come in and be like, that shit is whack. That's whack. Like, that's not hot. So I think I kind of served as that person, like, kind of no filter. I um I say things what I feel. I say them with my chest. And, um. You know, and I think he appreciated that. that. That's rare. But um, what was the thing that, what was the thing he would have to tell me? Was it the, was, Tamika, I'm about, okay, you know you might oh, have a show. 
Oh. Was it the head game? Was it the head game? Was it the, hand, was it the hand job in the car on the way to the concert, girl? What was it that made him fall something? Because you being a little tight lipped, and I want I'm, I'm sick. I, I was, Why are you talking this way? <laughs> no, I don't know. I can't do that one. I don't know nothing about it. And then if I tell you, I got to kill you. You know what I'm saying? I can't give away my. <laughs> Listen, what Kevin Samuel said. Nobody marries a high value man. An older woman can't get a high value man. Well, I married two. Boo. So now what we gonna do? What's next, Kevin? <laughs> that part. All right. So, so why do you think that? Why, why did you think that your age was such a topic when men do it all the time? And did it really bother you? The age difference. The age didn't bother me. It was the, it was that you know what bothered me the most in the whole entire thing. I would say that it was black girls that I would say look like me. You know what I'm saying? People who, my same demographic or my same background or might even go to my same school, they weren't supportive. You know what I mean? Most of the negative comments, if you look at the, you know, the more urban blogs and things like that, that's black girls. And you look at the demographic of those blogs, these are girls between the ages of, you know, 25 and probably now 50, you know, who were, ooh, she's ugly, she's this, she got kids. She, they Meanwhile, they're sitting over there feeding damn Cheerios to their baby on the side. You know what I mean? Like, you got kids too. You should be happy for me. And like, I was all, I've always been pleasant. And like, I've read reports like, oh, she didn't like the fans and she wouldn't. I'm like, what? I'm the one that's no matter where we were, would be like, you got to sign that. She might not never see you again. I still will do that to him. If we're somewhere and some fans are acting crazy, I'll be like, I know. I know. He'll, sometimes he'll say I'm with my family or whatever. I say, no, she might not see you again. Or she's from Germany or, you know, I'm on the fan side. So mm -hmm. long as it's clear, I'm the ally of the fans. And I think it was mistaken that I was like being mean and I didn't, I don't know. But more importantly, the black girls hate it. Any Caucasian women, any Latina women, any... Was that because they wanted him or because they fantasized over him? Or is it because they wanted to see him with some Elle magazine model or something or another Probably celebrity? Probably a little of both, I would imagine. Um, I wrote the fantasy for them from what their picture of what they saw. They didn't know that he had like a very clean person with a, you know, kept a good house and, you know, knew how to take care of kids and knew how to do the things that a man like him needed. They didn't assess that stuff. I'm not the party girl. I'm not going to have the cutout leggings on and the orange wig and all that, but I know how to do what I do. So you had this beautiful wedding schedule. I remember, I remember this. Now I didn't know you then, but when I tell you, I wanted to kick his ass for you. You had a beautiful wedding plan all the people ready to go, dress, done, fitting, probably did the bridesmaid thing with the little bachelorette party, all of that. And then the day before he calls off the wedding because of rumors of your age. And then you didn't get married, and but then you, you later went and married him anyway. When you look over all that, one, two questions. One, did you not want to kick his ass the day before your wedding? And then two, how dare you marry him after the fact? I loved him, so I would have married him, yes. I, I loved him a lot. So, yeah, I went ahead and married him. We all do stupid stuff for love, right? I wasn't mm -hmm. stupid, though. I don't have any regrets. All of the things that have happened, all my experiences have shaped me into uh, who I am. Like, even, the, you know, the boyfriends and the relationships prior to him and after him, 
they all shape me into my personality. They all give me funny stories. They give me, they've given me memories. Um, I don't have any like regrets about anybody I've ever been with. I just don't. I think everybody has been solid in because at the time they were solid and they're probably solid now. I don't have any former crackheads or anything as boyfriends. <laughs> I did well with my selections. I think I got one in my book. That title was uh, "Toxic Ass Nigga." I think he was on meth. But were you not embarrassed though when the wedding didn't go forward oh, the first time? God, of course, it was so embarrassing. It was a bad moment. It was definitely a bad moment. But see, I don't want you giving all the juicy stuff away. Not all of it, but yeah, you got to a few. Not all. Just a, just a, this is a little bit to bet. I'm not giving all the details. Who else? Okay, Who else you didn't say well, you didn't say anything, but let me ask you. Let me just ask you the, the reason why I say okay. is because I don't really feel like you've given the audience an opportunity to get to know who you are, you, and how you felt as a woman, right? When you talk okay, about these, I will say this in closing. Wait, wait, let, me, let, me, let me let me say this. Right, let me say this and set it up. All the women that don't have sympathy for you don't know you. They know Usher, and what I'm saying to you is that every woman should be able to connect for and hopefully they read this book here i stand to get to it right every woman should be able to empathize with another woman who is taking public scrutiny taking attacks taking it on the chin left and right and still standing there for her man gets left at the altar embarrassed in front of the world and still comes back to marry the man i i feel like there's a reason for women to love you for that i i agree i mean i don't you know i don't think this is about the love of the women because the people that are hate listen there's a very fine line between love and hate so anyone that says that they hate you that's a lot of energy it takes a lot of energy to decide that you hate me especially when you you haven't met me or you haven't been around me so the opposite of love is indifference so if you don't if you don't care anything about me and if you just you think I'm nobody and blah 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 then then maybe you don't like me but if you have enough energy to decide that you hate me and you've never met me you've never hung out with me you know we never kicked it how can you say you hate somebody you really don't know them mm-hmm. so i don't think the people that hate me really hate me i don't believe that mm. So let's talk about all the different deaths that you had in your family and your relationship with them. Um, did this all happen like over a period of time or has this been since the relationship ended? This is all the loss and and um, and things that have happened in your life. No, even prior, like, um, like my grandmother. I, so I lived with my grandmother for a couple of years in an area called Clear Lake. You know, that's up near Napa, Calistoga area, that whole thing. So I lived there, my parents' house, I burned our house down by mistake. That's another story in the book. <laughs> but anyway, when our house got burned, I was a little girl. But when our house got burned down, I moved with my grandmother. And um, that grandmother passed away, like, you know, when I was an adult, like years later, 20 years later or something. So I lost her and my aunt at the same time. Um, that was probably like two no, like 90, I'd say 97. And then um, my little sister, she was a half sister. I wasn't super duper close to her, but she was adorable. She was my kid sister. She was in an accident. She died. So I've, I've had some really um, hurtful losses. You know, I lost my mother. That was in 2015. That was, you know, after um, my son, Kyle. Of course, Kyle. And you and your mother were really close, right? Well, close to my mother and father. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, mother, how did you? Alive, so. 
How did you work through the death of your mom? How did I work? You know, I think Kyle passing first prepared me for anything else. Like, I don't think anything, I probably, I probably am somewhat numb to anything else. You know, um, my mother wasn't super healthy. You know what I mean? She, you know, the doctors told her you have, you know, you have a heart. She had a triple bypass years ago and she had heart issues. And, you know, the doctor said, Hey, you got to stop eating this. You got to stop eating that. And she probably ate double helpings of it instead, you know, leave butter alone. Don't smoke cigarettes. Don't do this. Don't do that. And she, she did things to kind of accelerate her passing. So when she passed, though I was surprised and hurt, I just kept saying, man, we told her she couldn't do, you know, you can't eat this fattening food and you can't not live a healthy lifestyle. So it wasn't as shocking. And again, this is three years after Kyle. Okay. So in, in the Tamron Hall interview, you know, it's ironic that you use the word numb because I remember watching that interview and thinking, you know, you know, was, was your energy based off the energy that Tamara was given, or was it just a, a, a building up of being numb to things? Cause you really do not really show a lot of emotion publicly. You're not that girl. So what, what, what is that tolerance built up because of all those experiences? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that the emotions I feel about losing people in my family who the public didn't know, it's for them to judge. You know what I mean? So I, I am very private in terms of like mourning and, and all that, like, no, I, and then I also don't look for, I don't look for sympathy from people. Right. So I do, I kind of, I guess, keep kind of a stoic kind of brave face in that regard, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I don't deal with it. So like, you know, for my son's like birthday and the anniversary, like the month of July is a very hard month for me. I travel, I try to travel as much as I can. Um, to just kind of get away from things that may remind me, you know, I go by myself or with a friend and I'll go to like any foreign place to get away. I don't well, think the outside public need to see me breaking down over my son because I don't feel they, I don't feel that I have genuine love there. So it's like, why am I being vulnerable to you guys? You guys don't. That's why it took me so long to write a book. So I was like, it's none of you guys business how I feel about losing Kyle. But then I realized there's so many other mothers that are dealing with loss, that it could help other people to see how I kind of cope and how I make it from day to day, how I'm able to take another selfie in life. You know what I mean? Like, how am I able to get dressed and be able to be myself? So I hope the book kind of helps them see. Before we get into all the businesses, because you have so much, we know you as a stylist, we know you as a person who's been successful in fashion. Um, and you have a lot of other businesses and things you're working on. Can I do my job and ask a little bit about some headline stuff? Why not? Okay. So I remember when they said Usher had herpes, I called you and you said you didn't have it. Now, how did you deal with all of that madness when the girl was saying, allegedly. What? What? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, because everybody, as soon as we posted, it was all I in know. our email. Hey, let me say this. That question's off limits only because I have, that's all things that have been rumored or whatever post my relationship. So I can't speak to it, but you're right about that. I don't have anything, 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 not even a cold. I am a little horse. I have COVID. Shit. I have COVID-19. Yeah. I shouldn't even be talking Never. to you. It might come through the damn screen. Mm -mm. 
No, no. The reason I only wanted to clear that up because every time we post, they always try to tag you in on that. And you're such a private person. Like, let me tell you something. I would tell that. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. You would have saw my name listed in some something. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I really don't. Can I just tell can I just say this? Me and you don't gossip about your life. We don't talk about your business. We don't talk mm-hmm. about him. We don't talk about none of that. So this is the first time. So I'm literally like a kid. You know how when a kid go to Toys R Us and the parent says, you can get whatever you want. So I'm just asking everything I need to ask so I can go back to just being your so friend. Next question, because I don't know anything about that with his personal life. That's, that's okay. Okay, boom. I got it done. I ripped the bandit yeah. up. Okay, so let's talk about all your other endeavors. So we know that you're in fashion. So clearly having a clothing line is something that makes sense. Uh, when and how did you develop that? And let's talk about that. Clothing line. So it's a natural progression. I've been styling. I've been creating lines of lines of clothing for so many different artists. You know, when they go on a tour and they say, hey, I need 15 looks. I'm creating a bunch of designs and a bunch of different looks. Um, I decided to just, you know, do it myself. I made luxury loungewear. This is actually one of my pieces too. But I made luxury loungewear because we were stuck in the house. Remember? It was COVID. Everybody had to do Zooms and everybody was taking meetings from home. But then some people were sneaking off and doing vacations. So I found clothes that were, I created things that were transitional that you can wear from the couch to the cabana, you know? Mm. So that's- where is it available? Eli Kish. It's E-L-I-K-I-S-H, which is Kyle-ish backwards. It's my son. So every business that I have has an underlying dedication to him. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. That, this is why I have to say, and I'm going to say this is me coming from the heart from a friend. Mm-hmm. I understand that. My passwords are connected to my brother. Is that our way of still holding on? Mm-mm. It's just homage, playing homage. This is just, it's like the least you could do. You know what I mean? Like for me, the least I could do is to celebrate and honor my son. That's the least I could do is to honor him. So yeah, he's just, Eli Kish is Kyle-ish. It's the K from his name on the front. You know, it's just mixed up his letters of his name. Kyle Ish, my um, animated project is focused on, you know, a middle, a middle child, you know, it's focused on him as well. So everything is kind of about him. So how do you, how, how do you cope or how do your children, your other children cope with that being that everything is focused on Kyle or at least the homage part, you know, do they feel, how do they feel about that? They know it. I don't think they feel anything about it because they're still living. So I I devote my physical time to them. You know what I mean? Like I'm able to cook for you guys. I'm able to drop you off at school this morning. I'm able to clean your room or help you with homework. So that's like the least I could do. That's small to name a business after him. You know what I mean? That's like, so if they were to, you know, they've never said anything, but if they were, I, I would hope they understand it. I love them all equally. But I pay, I, I'm able to pay you attention, like physically in the flesh. And I can't do that for him, you know? So, and if he were alive, I would be dividing my time amongst him as well. So he still just gets some of my time. 
Got it. No, that makes sense. So you're also big on giving back. You're a part of several foundations. There's also yeah. one in Kyle's name. Do you want to talk about philanthropy and why that's so important to you? Why giving back is important? Um, giving back is like the rent you pay to be on earth. I think that we are blessed. We have such good lives. We're able to eat at all the nice restaurants I keep bumping into you in. <laughs> We're able to afford to, you know, just live really good lives. And I think there's so many less fortunate people. I, I try to give back as much as I can. If, even if I buy something new, I give something away. Like I have a rule. Every six items I give away, then I can buy something new. You know, I have like different rules about giving and and hoarding stuff, you know. Um, I try to be as generous as possible. But anyway, Kyle's World Foundation was started again in honor of Kyle. And it was for kids that had the same love of performing arts and theater and all this stuff, but same as him. So I reached out to the inner cities to find children that may have been in like um, disparaged communities and who just didn't have access. And I gave them access and we had camps for several years after Kyle passed. I've since changed the mission of the foundation and I want to reward kids that do random acts. I want to do random acts of kindness for kids that are doing good deeds. I'm like celebrating do-gooders right now. Well, and and speaking of the animated series, you talked about the odd life of uh, Kyle Lyles. That's mm -hmm. the project that you talked about. Um, so people should check that out. What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about uh, you? I think people think that I lost my kids in custody. I mean, I lost custody of my children. Uh, that's not true. That's like a, that's a that's a big misconception. I just the other day I commented on something. I was on another page, like maybe Shade Room or something, and I commented on somebody's outfit or something. And somebody said, you can't even talk. You don't even have your kids. I was like, well, who are these people over here? <laughs> they're like, like, they're right here. I was like, y'all supposed to be gone. I keep hearing that y'all not supposed to be here. My kids are with me equal time that they're with their dad, same amount of time. Yeah, so that's, that's a big misconception. Mm. Well, listen, um, Here I Stand is a book that everybody has to read. Um, there, There is a lot of answers to unanswered questions. I call it tea. It ain't messy, but it's definitely informative. And and I'm glad that you're finally, you know, taking this time to let people hear directly from you. I think for a long time, you've just allowed narratives to be painted or people to say whatever they want. And there is some appreciation for the fact that we don't really care what people think of us. But at the same time, I think everybody should be in control of their own story. And I'm glad that you put yours in this book. You know, I found it important. I said, if I were, when the, I remember during the pandemic, when it first started, I said, if I die of COVID, my kids would literally Google my name and see all these erroneous stories about their mother. And I won't even be able to clear it up. You know what I mean? So I said, you know, I'm going to write a book that's somewhat of a testament. And that clears up a lot of those, you know, different stories. And um, really, I kind of wrote it for my kids, I think, and my family and my my children. But and I wrote it. I have a certain amount of little fans, and I wrote it for them as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you did. And so, there's another book after this that's already in the works, or is this? I'm no. I'm doing a children's book after this. Yeah. I I um I got to get into back into my normal mode of being a mama. So The Odd Life of Kyle Lowes, I'm going to turn it into an actual children's book, a graphic novel first. And then from there, hopefully we'll get our animated series picked up 
and we'll be on television. That's what that's that's the goal. So did you get any cease and desist letters or anybody calling you about this book and saying you better not? Now, Jason. <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually I got a call just reminding me not to be, I guess, too uh, you know, don't go too far. I, yeah, I got one of those calls, but no, I got it no it, it wasn't from the Bloods or Crips, though. It was from like legal people. No, I ain't gonna say who it was from. Yeah, Big Red and them coming to get me. <laughs> <laughs> the Bloods. All right, look, Usher, um, yeah. we're gonna read this book, and everybody out there gonna get the book because it ain't about you. Tamika uh, Raymond Foster, I'm glad that you Foster came in and did the show. Well, it, they put it Tamika Raymond Foster here. Why they do people that? You've never been married. When you get married, you go duh, duh, duh. And and for, okay. here's a question. Everybody's going to say, why is she still Raymond? They are divorced. Da, 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 da. Because, number one, he gave me the name. That's A. B, it's so much easier. I don't want to go to the passport office and change all my credit cards and my driver's license and my birth and my social security card and all of that stuff and bank accounts and it's none of your business. That's why. Tamika, when somebody online says to you, why do you still got um, his name? Just say, you got it bad. <laughs> oh, that's so whack. Hey, <laughs> if I say something that corny, they're going to commit me for sure. Like, hey, but, your but your followers will go up and that's the world that we live in. Tamika, uh, Tamika, Love thank you. you so much for finally coming on the show. And um, please don't tweet that I said anything wrong in this interview, okay? This I ain't said funny. nothing. Get the book, that part. <laughs> Here I stand. By by the way, between you and I, that's the only song on that album that I listened to. That was a banging album, uh-uh. Before I met you. I know, but that, I know, but that song was just a, it just got you and you couldn't go nowhere else. Like, that's the only one I listened to. I danced in my, in my room to myself because, you know, I ain't got nobody. You had your hand behind your back like... Eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you. Thank you so I much. I love you for too. Thank show. you. All right, bye. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace.